Those of you who pay attention would have noticed that uh, in the worship guide we call this a giving role model. I thought about maybe calling it a role model for giving, but then I thought, you know, uh, if we call it a giving role model, that could be you in a very direct way, yes? That you will be a giving role model. And those of you who are not as familiar with Scripture as some might be, uh, we're going to deal with Second Corinthians chapter 8 today. And if you get to the New Testament, you get there pretty quick. You'll have some Gospels, four of them, and then a little church history book called the Acts, and then three letters. First is Roman, then First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, and there you are, chapter 8. Let me talk to you for a moment uh, as you find this about role models. Role models are not just helpful. They're actually necessary in, in our lives. Uh, a life that is not just uh, willing to be thrown here and there and wherever by whatever kind of emotional impulse that are guiding it for the second or for the moment will find strength and direction and motivation through strong, helpful role models. And the Bible is packed full of that. It is actually kind of the, the whole strength of Jesus' ministry among his disciples is found exactly there. Jesus is not just one who is kind of sharing good ideas for life. He is one who shares life itself. He lived his life in the open for all to see. The disciples were there in just about every event of his life, they saw how he lived it out. And not only then, but now there's a reason, friends, why the gospel doesn't just present his birth uh, and then kind of his, his crucifixion, but the, by far the majority of the description of Jesus in the gospels is about how he lived. His life is a role model for every follower of Jesus then and now. And this kind of understanding is, is furthered also by his disciples, and you'll see it in Paul, when Paul does not shy away from saying, you all should imitate me, just like I imitate Christ. And then he goes further than that. He goes on and he says, and you know, when he speaks to, to, to Timothy, he says, now train others that they will be able also to train others. So you see this generational focus on role modeling what it is to live in the Christian faith. And as we had all these children here, friends, if you could not fall in love with that, I don't know what you can fall in love with, right? And see your function, if you will, as a role model for all these kids. That's what it means to be the family of God. In many ways, this has to do kind of with, with a constitution. I don't know how many of you have reflected on that, that you create like what we could call a personal constitution. We know the Constitution in, 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 in the U.S., right? So we have the Constitution, and every law that is developed on top of that has to kind of not go contrary to that. Yes? Hello? Yes. Two of you know that, <laughs> right? 
Okay, so think about that in, in personal terms, right? I, I thought about that when, when we first got married. I, you know, somebody, I may have shared that, I don't know. Uh, but uh, the, the, the Danish wedding banquet that follows, uh, you know, the ceremony or the, the actual wedding uh, that happens in the church, you know, you have uh, sit around formal kind of European uh, dinner. It lasts four or five hours. It's a hoot of a lot of fun, right? People will write songs and some will do speeches and some will do little skits. And there's a lot of laughing and a lot of really good food eating. And then the whole thing ends with the groom saying something. And whatever the groom says, you know, it, it depends a little bit. But my wife and I, what we had, my fiance, I guess at the time, what we had talked about, I thought, I'm going to make that what we want to speak about here. So my focus one on what do we want our home to be like? What are the ground rules for our home, for our marriage? What, what, what should it look like? Could we have a home that is an incubator for faith? A home where there was kingdom that they clearly kind of permeated everything we did. Some ground rules for, for this is what's going to guide the decisions we make in, in all kind of other aspects. Can we create a place where we know our, our children will grow up in this kind of warm love for Christ and for each other and, and that kind of stuff. So we try to sit down some, some, some ground rules for that. A somewhat of a personal constitution from which every other decision would flow. And I thought about this when we're talking about giving. There's a lot to be said related to that about giving too, is there not? Just think of it, right? Any, just like, maybe I said it that way, just like a life that, that is guided by the impulse of the moment usually will wind up empty. So true, when financial decisions are guided by the impulse of the, mo- of the moment, the wallet will wind up empty. <laughs> That's just kind of how that often works. So we know the importance of role models. And role models are not just inspirations for the moment. They are life-guiding kind of situation, right? So any life... Any person, any quality, if you will, that, that you want to develop, you find something of a role model. It's like a benchmark that you put up to say, this quality, this is where I'm aiming. This is a way I want to deepen or encouraging uh, or, or strengthening my, my life. You know, if it doesn't matter really who you are. And how that works. If you're a ball player, you know that's the case. If you're an athlete, you know that's the case. If you're a company CEO, you know that's the case. If you're a politician that wants to grow, does that still exist? Right? Uh, that, that you know that's the case. We need good, strong role models in, in every aspect of life. Anyone who thinks about life and how to strengthen what we're doing will know that. Parents know that, everybody. So let's read somewhat on this as Paul presents to us role models for giving or giving role models, if you will. We're in chapter 8 of the second letter Paul wrote here to the Corinthians. We want you to know, brothers, brothers and sisters, 
about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia during a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability and of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus uh, that uh, just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us even, excel also in this act of grace. I'm not saying this as a command, rather by means of the diligence of others, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Did you notice how this all began? He points to a church in Macedonia. And he talks about the grace and asks them to pay attention to the grace. I don't know how to make that applicable straight up to you. Corinth was a well-to-do city in the south of Greece, so to speak. Macedonia in the north. How do I compare that to here? Maybe we can compare it to a wealthy suburb of Dallas. To a small little town about 250, 300 miles north of here. Like in the delta of Arkansas someplace. And here's what he's saying. I want you to notice the grace of God right here. And the point he's making is is so strong like for Christians. Giving is, is not a command. It is not some kind of burden under which we have to live. Oh, we got to give with church. Now we're talking money. That's never the point. It is always a matter of grace. It is an expression of this work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that flow out into practical ministry and willingness to give. Now, we talk about grace. That is probably one of the most misunderstood words ever. We have just kind of translated in so many ways. But grace, really, biblically speaking, has to do with the ability, if you will, to live beyond yourself. A granted ability for something that comes from God. There's something special, and you know it. You know it. There's something special about people who are extraordinarily graceful. Now, we have so confused grace that we have turned it into another word for free. You know, kids can mess up the whole day and still want the ice cream at the end. 
Students think that they got to have a high grade if they haven't studied. And all think they can do whatever and still have enough over to other things. Even salvation. We think, I want to come to Christ, but he better not change my life or tell me how to live. Grace, friends, in the biblical sense of the term, is that God opens the door so that you can do what you otherwise could not have done outside of his gracious presence. When I hear that word grace, it's hard for me um, to not think of a very special event in our lives that happened. I was just, uh, uh, it's the first uh, church I had after I finished my my Master Divinity. Uh, it's a large uh, church for that setting, uh, a historic church, lots of people that have been there for generations. Um, and there's this one man that I'm thinking about. He'd been there a long time. When I came, he was uh, weak, somewhat frail. Uh, he had been uh, kind of a, a stout uh, person that had carried the church for decades. And so I came to see him. He got so frail at last that he was uh, taken to the hospital. And, and since he was not one that needed to be hooked up to all kinds of things, but just have a little IV, uh, they put him in a room so he had a little bit of fellowship with others that were somewhat in that situation. There were four people uh, in the room, or four beds in the room, I remember. And I came in to see him. He spoke by this time only very kind of vague and, and softly and so I leaned forward to hear what he was saying. And after a little while, I said, let me pray for you, my friend. And I took his hand as we sat there. And I leaned to not disturb whatever was, was happening. Just leaned forward to his ear and just began to whisper a prayer in his ear. And I was probably a minute in, maybe maybe a little less than that. And suddenly I felt his, his hand that was otherwise weak kind of grip mine in a much harder way. And he sat up and he I yelled out as much strength as he had left in his lung. And he, grace that he found me, grace that he loved me, and grace that he will take me home with him. The other people didn't know where to look kind of looked around and he was laying back and just used all energy he has ever had. Nurses came in from the hallway and I sat there choking up. Grace that he found me. I left shortly after and before the next morning was there, I had note that he had passed. Grace that he loved me. Grace that he will take me home with him. Friends, it is that kind of emotion. That kind of deep sense of belonging to Christ and being dependent upon his grace. That is the ground rock, the foundation for people's will to give and to offer. God's grace. It was God's grace, friends, that, that uh, became the role model in these people 
as they became our role model. Just look at the power that is here. Can I read it again? Verse 2, during a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in their wealth of generosity. And I can testify that they gave not only according to their ability, but beyond their ability. And that even unencouraged, that is, of their own accord. Those of you who are interested in, in history and maybe Baptist history, and you will find in some of these earlier annals someone who writes like this, and here's one quote. To be a Christian is one thing. It's a very great thing, even a majestic thing. But to be a sacrificing, giving Christian is something completely different, something much greater and much higher, end quote. So you ask the question, looking at the text, thinking, how can anyone give out of extreme poverty? And the word here are not mince. It's, it's, uh, these are words that refer to someone who has hardly enough even to keep up, nowhere close to what is considered a normal living kind of wage, or maybe even someone who had no wage at all. They're just slaves of others. So say, how is that possible that they can give? And the answer is that they couldn't in their own power. It was God's grace and nothing but, and friends, may I say to you, that is always how it works, always. The, the role model that we're giving here by the churches in Macedonia uh, is that they did not just give according to the ability. It was not based on their calculators. Can I put it that way? Right? But on the grace of God. It was not that they had sat down and said, you know, I'd like to eat in this way in these restaurants. I'd like to buy these kinds of clothes. I'd like a house in this neighborhood. I'd like a car that has these kind of you know, features that people recognize. I'd like all these things. And then if I have something left, I'll give some of that to God and to the church. No, no, no. That's completely not how it works. They gave because... Of the understanding of God's grace and the promises in his words. I don't know if any of you uh, read uh, some of these uh, older things every so often. I, I uh, run into a book. Here's, uh was one by, by, uh, by Roy Lauren. He was connected with the Fuller Seminary back, back, back in the, in the day and with that whole evangelistic association that it grew, uh, grew out of. And he tells a story that uh, stuck with me. I just thought of it as I was preparing for this. It is a um, long, long time since, since, uh, since I saw it last. He talks about this businessman who was uh, on a business trip uh, to, to uh, Asia. And he was... Uh, uh, you know, well-to-do, strong Christian at home in so many ways. And, and he comes to Asia and suddenly he drives by this field and he see these two men. One is 
pulling the plow and the other one is walking behind it and to kind of steer it, so to speak. And as they are telling this story, uh, this, this businessman then uh, met up a little bit later. He was a little bit amused by what he seen, so he took a picture of it. Uh, and then he met with some missionaries he knew from that area. Uh, after all, he was an active church person. And, and so uh, he asked them about this. You know, I said, it was kind of strange. I don't know I've ever seen anything like this before. They must be extraordinarily poor people. Yes, uh, they were, or they are, the missionaries said. But they're joyful and warm Christian people. So uh, when their church, small little church, needed to build a gathering place where they could meet, they were eager to give something. But they didn't have any money. So they decided to sell the only thing they had, which was an ox, and give that money to the church. Therefore, for this spring, they have to pull the plow themselves. The businessman looked at the missionary and said, wow, that must have been an extraordinary sacrifice. And the response came back. They didn't experience it that way. They were just grateful that they were fortunate enough to have something to sell that they could participate. They didn't just give according to their ability, but beyond. And that unencouraged. That's the kind of willful giving that requires the grace of God. It is also the grace of God that creates that kind of mindset, which is somewhat unknown, somewhat unheard of, somewhat uncommon in the world for sure and even among some Christians. But look at the verse 4 again. I was just kind of moored to that even as I was reading it before this, this morning. They begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry. There's something very real. And I, I got to ask you, when is the last time you felt like that? Imagine to be begging to be allowed to have a real, genuine, actual participation in what God is doing. Just imagine that. Can I be allowed to do that? By the grace of God. And the first time we experienced that as the family was was somewhat weird. You know, I, I grew up probably like many of you. Um, we, we were uh, committed to Christ, so we got married and we had made the decision that, that the first 10% on the top, right, the gross, so it just went to the church, no questions asked, and we would live on the rest. That's just how it was, and we were just joyfully living that way and, and, and not giving it a, a whole lot more thought. Things were well, and and we just enjoyed in the blessing of being able to be faithful. And then we got uh, to further the education and we moved to the U.S. 
and, and to get uh, more education. And then about a few months after we had come, political situation changed the exchange rate for our currency from overseas to the currency here. And all of a sudden we had nothing. Like overnight, everything changed. You know, being proud as we were and being like that, we were not going to say that to anyone. There were several days when we just had nothing but oatmeal, and a couple of days we had nothing. And then someone showed up. I didn't know them that well. They were also students like we were. And it showed up and shook my hand, and I could feel there was something in the hand. And he said, would you allow me the grace to participate in your ministry? I still remember this as vivid as anything. And I thought, what ministry? I'm a student. I don't have no ministry. And then all of a sudden, this verse come to mind and other things. You know, this was just the grace of God. When he had heard the cry of our heart, he apparently had spoken to other people. And it came in a brand new light. That was a training session for me that I have never forgotten, right? That's the heart that people need. That's the heart that God is seeking. And our human role model is found right here in this extraordinarily poverty-stricken church or the group of churches up in Macedonia. So, that's the human model. But did you notice how Paul ended verse 9? A human role modeling and a divine role modeling. Because the greatest role modeling will never come from other people. It will always come from God himself through his son, Jesus Christ. He is the one who brings that kind of role modeling, that kind of guidance for life that we can find no place else. That's also why Paul is always pointing to Christ as the sovereign image, the sovereign benchmark, if you will, the sovereign role model when he talks about offering and giving. The Holy Spirit that was allowed to inspire and to guide the Macedonian churches was the same Holy Spirit that also gave our Savior the strength to give himself up and present himself as a blame and sacrifice before God. So let me just end by this, simply just round it up by this. Christ has given everything for you. That's what Paul is saying in, in verse 9, everything. He, the very one who did not consider equality with God, anything out of the ordinary. He gave it up. Emptied himself and became like one of us. Think about it. He was rich in power. And yet he submitted himself to human weakness. He was rich in glory and and yet he surrendered his radiance To human likeness. He was rich in resources and in wisdom. 
And yet, he suspended his rights and submitted to his father. As I said, he was rich in resources. And yet, he had no place when he was born. He had no home when he lived. He had no tomb when he died. He, friends, is our role model. He who gave us all when he was the one who had it all. And yet, out of care, out of mercy, he showed us what that kind of giving servant heart is all about. I'm going to quote one verse from a song I don't think you know. It was written by uh, one of the early, early Baptists in, in Burundi. Um, you know, the little, small, little country down in Africa. 1930, came to faith uh, in 1930. A mission that had begun just two years earlier. Came a powerful figure. I was blessed because he came to faith through the witnesses of some Danish Baptist missionary. And he came to our home when I was just a young lad. And, and uh, he was this majestic, somewhat statesman-type figure from, from Africa. And he wrote a song that now British Baptists, maybe more than anyone else, are singing a lot. You'll find them all the way. And here's how it goes. Oh, how the grace of God amazes me. It loosed me from my bonds and it set me free. What made it happen so? It was his will. That much I know. To set me free. As now I show. At liberty. Oh my my. Can we stand friends? Lord, I ask, even at this moment, to us who are much more like the Corinthians than we are the Macedonians, would you speak with that same power to us? May we be able to look at the role modeling of these early churches up in the area of Macedonia. And then ultimately to Christ. May we bring it home to our own conversations and our own prayer life and our own quiet rooms. Parents, children, as adults, as grandparents, as individuals, as single people, as followers of Christ, asking, Lord, would you do a work in my life where I may be able to be the one who could be that role model where they say, by the grace of God, not only as I'm able, 
but even beyond. We are still, O Lord, when we stand in front of role models like that. But we want to know that presence of God in our heart that makes us sense what they sensed. And so as you speak to each, Father, do so with your own power, even now. Amen. Amen. Friends, we have opening. We're going to sing a song. Some of you may want to grab a friend's hand or just come alone, whatever. And come kneel. Some of you want to talk to someone. There's out by the welcome table out there. Someone want to pray with you if that's it. Maybe you're talking to someone about that in your Bible study group in a minute. But friends, if God spoke to you, don't act like it didn't matter. He looks at your heart.